The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So this morning we're talking about something really important, actually something revolutionary. Um, it has so much capacity, what we're about to talk about today, that it can literally change your life. Uh, it can change the lives of people around you. Uh, what we're about to talk about today is an area that had may, has possibly affected you uh, in some either great ways or not so great ways, and that is the power of words. Tell somebody next to you the power of words. Now, before we start today, I want to tell you a story. There was a, there was a, husband, there was a husband who read an article, and he was really excited about it, so he told his wife, he said, hey, hon, look right here. It's written in the publication. This is like documented science that, that women use about 30,000 words a day, and men only use about 15,000. And, and the wife replied, that's because we have to repeat everything we say to you. And the guy said, what? Um, words. Words are really powerful. Words are really powerful. There's a a story of these frogs that fell into a ditch. And as these frogs fell into the ditch, the other frogs came around and said, guys, it's way too deep, you're done, it's over for you. And so the frogs started to jump and, and they started to yell down to the two frogs that fell in the ditch, look guys, it's, it's a waste of time, it's over for you. So the one frog stopped jumping and got discouraged, went into the corner and died. But the other frog kept on jumping and the frogs on top kept yelling louder and louder, hey, it's not worth it, quit, you're never going to be able to jump out. And he kept jumping higher and higher. So they kept yelling down more and more, buddy, it's a waste of time, frogs can't jump that high, you're never going to get out, just face the facts, own it, you're not going to make it. And that frog jumped higher and higher and he finally got out. And when he got out, the other frogs came over to him and started talking and he said, can you come a little closer, I'm hard of hearing. And they said, we were yelling, it's going to be over for you, don't waste your time jumping. And that frog said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm hard of hearing. What I thought I heard you say is jump higher, jump harder, and I didn't want to let you down. <laughs> the power of words. The Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. The power of life and death are in the tongue. There are so many stories of people in life, and maybe this is in your past as well, maybe your upbringing as a child or through life, where maybe a parent or somebody said something profound to you in a positive way. Maybe they said, listen, you can do anything. Has anybody ever told you that when you were little? You can do anything? That's good because God says all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Amen. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. So it is good to tell children you can do anything because all things are possible through God. It's good to encourage you. However, some were told, you're never gonna to amount to anything. Look at you, you're dumb. I can't believe, what, you know, and people go on with these things. I did a lot of prison ministry for years, a lot of youth facilities for years, and it's amazing how many kids came out of bad environments where all, the only thing that was spoken to them is not life and blessings, but death and curses in some kind of way, things that were spoken into the life of these kids where they believed the narrative that was shared with them. They believed the words that were spoken over them because they're young and somebody older spoke these words. 
The same is true on the other end where people said you can do anything if you put your mind to it, trust God, seek Him for wisdom, get a plan from God and walk it out in faith. God made you for great things. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you. They're to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. God is a loving God. He's good. He is for you. He's not against you. Go discover it and, and, and go pursue great things for the glory of God. And people have done exactly that because they believed what was spoken over them. The power of life and death are in the tongue. And we're going to see today how this has such a profound effect. In fact, we're talking today about the power of words, the power of words, and there is great power in words. And we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 12. You want to open your Bible there or on your phone, your device, however you read your word. Matthew 12, we're going through the book of Matthew, and this is where we're at today. Uh, And the setup is this, you know, Jesus has been uh, preaching and teaching and healing and doing all kinds of great things. Uh, But what we're seeing right now is the religious elite, the Pharisees, are beginning to get very, very critical of Jesus, very judgmental of Jesus, and they're trying to trap Jesus, and now they're turning completely against him. Before, in the beginning, they were observing him, but now it's getting more hostile, and we see this happening as he uh, continues his ministry until he gets to the point of going to the cross, which, of course, we celebrate next Friday on Good Friday. Again, I hope you bring... Uh, bring some friends, bring a chair. It's going to be in the park. It's going to be an intimate, amazing setting. They're going to have an encounter with Jesus and with the power of the cross. If you don't know anybody who's had a true encounter with the power of the cross, one thing I've learned about this faith of ours, you study the word, you grow in Christ, you step out in faith, but it always keeps coming back to the cross. It keeps coming back to the cross, the centrality of the cross, the power of the cross, what Jesus did for you at the cross. He, he brought you forgiveness, but he brought you so much so much more than you maybe even know at the cross. And when we keep coming back to the cross, we get in on the magnitude of that. But in this passage right here, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He came with a mission and his mission was the cross and he's gonna go to the cross, but he's not gonna go to the cross before his timeline. He's gonna do public ministry for three years and go to the cross, but you can tell the tension is building bigger and bigger and the Pharisees are are the ones that are instigating all this right here. And so this is where it picks up in Matthew 12. We're gonna pick it up in verse 14. Look at this in sections if you could follow along. And it says this, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. And in his name the nations will put their hope. So this is starting out by quoting an ancient prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. That's what's being quoted right here in the passage. And I think it's important because it sets up, I I believe, what Jesus is presenting to us this morning. And uh, Isaiah talked about a time in the future when Israel's Messiah is finally going to come. They've been waiting, you know, 1,500 years for Israel's Messiah. Finally, you get Jesus is on the scene. The Messiah is finally here. Some recognize him and some don't. And the scripture being read here is Isaiah was talking about the future Messiah. When he comes, who he will be, how he will act, how he will speak, how he will even use his his words. 
And it says right here that the Messiah is going to come. He's going to be the Holy One. The Spirit of God is going to be upon him. And his gospel that he preaches is going to bring justice to the nation, uh, justice to the nations. And that's what the gospel does. But this is what's interesting. Here, here is how this prophecy came about. Isaiah's prophecy came about. All prophecy of Scripture is not invented in somebody's mind or their will or in their emotions. All prophecy of Scripture, the Bible says, is God speaking to the hearts of men, saying, write this down. All prophecy of Scripture is spirit-breathed, literally God saying, write down my words. We have 66 books in the Bible written on three different continents over 1,500 years. All of this is God-breathed Scripture. And what's cool about this is God is telling Isaiah, write this down. I'm going to tell you something about the future, about the Messiah, who he is, when he comes, how he's going to act, what he's going to say, and he's writing this down. And now Jesus is quoting the Isaiah passage because he has fulfilled what Isaiah says. But here's what's important about this. Originally, God spoke this very scripture. How many of you know that says, in the beginning, God said? You realize the Bible starts in the beginning? God said, let the be God said, God speaks things into existence. Uh, if, if you want to know anything about the power of words, if you want to have an understanding on the magnitude of the power of words, you, you can look, no, you got to start right here. That when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. And he spoke the universe into, into existence. And God is speaking things in scripture to you and to me. Uh, and he still speaks today. The, God never stopped speaking. He is still speaking. The, the Jesus promised when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead you, comfort you, guide you. He's going to speak. He's going to lead you. There'll be a voice behind you showing you this is the way to go. Walk in it, okay? This is a promise that God will continue to lead you, counsel, and guide you, which means God gives revelation. He will still show you. He will still speak to you. He will still nudge your heart. He will do these things. Jesus said, I will never leave or forsake you. You're going to continue to get God's direction. This is important because God spoke in the beginning. God spoke through Scripture, and God still speaks. When God speaks, it will always line up with Scripture. How many of you guys know that if this is spirit-breathed, if the Spirit of God spoke this, that God doesn't contradict himself? Do you realize that? God doesn't contradict himself. So we're not going to hear some weird, wacky thing that is totally absent from Scripture. That's why we want to understand Scripture so we know when God speaks, we're like, yes, just like in the book, I get it. God, you're speaking to me today. That's beautiful. So that's why we put a a high authority on Scripture so we know the nature of the God we serve. Uh, But this goes on in this passage. Um, And it's important to know that God spoke through Isaiah about Jesus coming. That's what he's quoting right here. And, And this is what's important to know. Everything God speaks will come to pass. Tell somebody next to you, everything God speaks will come to pass. Tell them. This is epic, guys. This is so cool. Because if you only get one thing today, get this. Maybe you already know this. I hope you do. But if you don't, you got to hold on to this one. This, you got to hold on to this. Isaiah 55.11. We have it for the, for the screen up here. Isaiah 55.11. And it says this. So is my word. I'll read it to you anyway. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. God speaking about his word out of his mouth. And we're talking about the power of words. So it is with my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it was sent. Basically, if you get the illusion of a, a boomerang, everyone's seen a boomerang before, right? Boomerang, boomerang. You throw a boomerang. And it comes back to you. 
At least that's what it's supposed to do if you throw it the right way. Um, but a boomerang, it comes back to you. And you've got to look at God's word like a holy boomerang. A holy boomerang. Say holy boomerang. God takes his word out of his mouth. And it will accomplish every single thing I sent it out to do. And it will come back to me and it won't return void. It will do every single thing I meant it to do. So as it throws it out, it doesn't hurt people, but it touches them. And they, they wake up to the call of God and the love of God. And people discover God's ways and God's will and God's love and God's mercy and, and, and the revelation of God and, and their calling in their life. And, and that's what God's word does when it goes out. It just goes and touches lives everywhere from generation to generation. And finally, one day, when we stand before him face to face, his word's going to come back to him like that boomerang, and it will accomplish everything that he designed it to do. That is monumental. That is an epic truth of Scripture. You need to know that because that's how powerful God's Word is. If God were to speak to you this afternoon and say, hey, I'll meet you in the park. Will you meet me there and I'll speak to you? Every one of you would. You know you would. But I want to encourage you, God still speaks today, but he speaks through his Word. Camp out, spend time in his Word. You're going to get to hear his voice in ways you never have before. That's how clear God's still speaking. His word is still accomplishing everything he wants it to do. Now that's when God throws the boomerang. That's God's word going out. (laughs) On the other hand, we also have words and we also throw out the boomerang. Now unfortunately, (laughs) our boomerang doesn't travel the way God's boomerang travels. God's boomerang hits lives, touches, people wake up to calling, love, gifts, everything, his mercy, all kinds of things, and and, and encouragement, and, and hope, and future, and all these things. Our boomerang, our words, our words go out, and our words get a little wobbly. Our words start hitting people in the head, hitting people in the side. Our words go out of our mouth like a boomerang, start dinging people, hitting their ankle. Oops, somebody got cut over here. Our words are knocking off. We got people going to the ER room, okay, over our words like a boomerang. This is just what happens in our lives, our words and God's words. But I just want you to know the power of God's word to go out like a boomerang in return. And I want to encourage you, your words have power as well. The power of life and death are in the tongue. And as we put out our words, it is like throwing that boomerang and it hits all kinds of people and things. Be very careful how you aim and direct your boomerang because it's going to hit a lot of lives and it's going to go around. It's going to make its rounds and it's going to come back. That's really important to know. So uh, that's what God does. If you're a note taker this morning, I want to encourage you to write down a few really key things. Pop them in your phone, if you will. Again, this can be revolutionary in your life. If you come to terms with the power of words, the power of your words, um, it, it can be monumentally different in your life and you can be a huge blessing to those around you. And, and the first one is this, is that we first have to recognize the full power of God's word. Out of, out of words, out of all the words we're going to talk about today, the, f- the first thing you've got to do is you've got to understand the magnitude and the power of God's word because God's word is so powerful. It is living, it is active, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It has the power and capacity to cut between, just like you can cut between bone and marrow, which is so hard to do. It's almost like microscopic to get in there and make that laser precision The word of God can cut in our lives between intentions and motives. What is our heart thinking? What's our attitude? You know, the word of God can divide all that and begin to show us, oh, I was thinking this and here's my attitude here. The stuff that we don't even come to terms with, the word of God can divide. It is that powerful. So the first thing you got to know with words and the power of words 
is you got to recognize the full power of God's word. You have to, if that's only the only thing you get today, please get that. Understand the full power of God's word because it's all spirit breathed. Now it goes on in verse 19 when it's quoting Isaiah about Jesus and it says Jesus did not quarrel or cry in the streets. The living translation of this verse says he will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. When Jesus the Messiah comes, Isaiah's writing, when he comes, one of the ways you're going to know him is by his words, the way he handles his mouth, the way he handles his tongue, the way he communicates. And one of the things about him, he's not going to fight or shout or raise his voice in public. Basically, another translation, we're not going to hear Jesus out there arguing with everybody. And I say that because many of us in this room could have a love for Jesus, sincere love for God and love for Jesus. But I, but I want to encourage you to really understand the nature of the Jesus that you're following. The Jesus that you're following is very, very careful with his words. The Jesus that you and I are following, that we're celebrating today, the resurrected Christ, is very careful. He doesn't, uh, raise his voice, you don't hear him arguing, he's not fighting. And, and if you have an issue in your life where you tend to get loud with your mouth, and this, everyone's got different areas of sin, but I'm just telling you, if it tends to be with your mouth, take, check this one, because Jesus, that's not his nature. Jesus isn't out yelling at a bunch of people, and we can't say, guys, when, when Scripture reveals something in our lives, we can't say, that's just how I am. That's just my personality. That's just my style. We're all following Jesus, right? Are we all following Jesus? Okay, so we're following Jesus. We've got to know the Jesus that we're following, and Jesus is not yelling at people and screaming at people and yelling and arguing, and that's what Isaiah is saying. Here's one of the ways you're going to know him. You're not going to see that come out of him in the street. So the second point this morning is, is to recognize the nature, the nature of the Jesus we follow, including his words. Recognize the name. We know he's loving. We know he's kind. But his words, we don't hear him yelling at people and screaming at people and getting hostile with people. And this is important because we can be believers and say we love God and say we're trying to follow his word, but have an ongoing life issue for our whole lives. We can have this battle with getting loud with people and yelling and screaming, and we justify it. And Scripture's saying, you know what? Not anymore. That was the old days, but the power of life and death are in the tongue. And we got to learn how to tame it and get it, get it lined up with the nature of the Jesus that we, that we follow. And then it goes on in verse 22, and it says this. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when Jesus heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided among itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebel, by who do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But, but, if it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. So the thing we see first in this story as Jesus rolls up on this poor boy in this particular case, he's, he's blind and he's mute. All sickness, some people have different theological views, I respect them, but I don't see that all sickness is from the devil. The world is in a fallen state. We're not 
on this side of heaven, there is a time where he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. Amen? Every day, there will be no cancer in heaven. There'll be no any of those things in heaven. He's going to make all things new. But since the fall, the ground was cursed and there is fallout in this world and there is pain and there is suffering and there is sickness in this world. I do believe God heals. I believe he heals today, but he doesn't heal all the time. We don't know why and when, but we stand in faith and pray for people when they're sick because scripture tells us to. Amen? Scripture tells us to pray for the sick and we leave the rest to God. We leave the rest to God. This particular boy, we know from scripture that the source of his illness was Satan. We know that from scripture. Not the source of all, the source of this kid. The devil had him blind and the devil had him mute. We know that because Jesus cast the demon out and he can see and speak. So in this particular case, we do know that it was in fact a demonic influence. So Jesus casts the demon out, the boy can see, the boy can speak, and you gotta understand in this particular case, the devil was behind the boy's inability. The devil was behind this boy's inability. Uh, the crowd is realizing that this must be the son of David. Jesus must be the son of David. The promised Messiah is going to come in the line of David. Instead of just a physical king like that, he's going to be a spiritual king, but he's going to come in the line of David. So his name is going to be, title is going to be son of David when the Messiah comes. And they're seeing him cast out demons and literally telling hell where hell must go, taking authority over hell. And, and the people are going, clearly this is the son of David right here. This must be, and this is what they're beginning to think right here. Um, and so... Uh, this is, this is the point I think we need to take down this morning. Again, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to write this down. The devil, like what he did with this boy in the story, also tries to do things in your life and in mine. And you need to know this regarding the power of words. Uh, the third point is the devil always tries to redirect our words. The devil will always try to redirect our words. The devil will always tempt you and me in this area of our words. And the way he does it is something's going on, getting a little escalated, and you might have even heard the voice on the inside or the temptation. Say it. Just say it. Has anybody ever heard that? I'm the only one? <laughs> Honesty in God's house? Just say it. Okay. <laughs> Just say it. Who's behind that? Who's, who, who's saying that? Who? The devil. Just say it. Just say it. They deserve it. Just say it. The devil will always try to distort. He will always try to redirect your word. Just say it. Just say it. And all of a sudden, sometimes we just say it. Give someone a piece of your mind. Set somebody straight. I'm going to let them know. I'm going to fire back at them. I am going to show them. All that kind of stuff. That's not from the spirit of God. That's from the devil. And sometimes the devil will just say, just say it. And we turn around and just say it. So the devil tries to redirect our words, but he also does the opposite. When you try to take a stand for righteousness, when you want to take a stand to honor God, when you want to take a stand, the devil sometimes like, shh, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> because the devil doesn't want you speaking life. The devil doesn't want you speaking life. The enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour who he may. He, 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 he's the father of lies. If you look at all the scriptural titles for the devil, we see he's got so many titles in scripture and they, they tell us about his nature. And, and one, of, one of the things he is, he's the accuser. He's the accuser. So the devil will get you to try to throw out an accusation because that's what he does. God is not the accuser and God doesn't accuse. He's not accusing. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge. I came to you know, reveal righteousness. He's going to come back and judge, but he's not the accuser. So when it comes, say it, say it, 
accusation. The devil's behind it. We've got to understand the devil's always trying to redirect your words and in my words. We have to come to terms with that because there's so much power in these words. You and I, we go through our week. I don't think we really understand the magnitude and the power of our mouth, the power of our words, what kind of life they can give or what kind of death. The Bible says blessings and curses that God puts before us. We can speak blessings. God bless you. I see God has a calling on your life. Wow, you know what? I know you're going through it right now, but I want to encourage you. God is for you and he has a hope and future and he's not going to leave you or forsake you. I want to encourage you. You can speak life or you can speak death. <laughs> well, it kind of serves you right, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, look, what do you expect? And we can take people, we can either give them the hammer or we can give them the, we can give them the hammer or we can give them the hand with our words. There's power of life and death. And the devil will always try to push you and pull you based on words to say it when you shouldn't or don't say it when you should. I know I sense that temptation in my life. I trust you do as well. He's been doing this for thousands of years. He only gets better at it. We have to be mindful of the devil's devices and he tries to manipulate words. So that's the um, second point this morning is a third point is the devil always tries to redirect our words. So the Pharisees over here are thinking something and they're kind of saying some stuff out loud, some really bad stuff they shouldn't be saying and clearly the devil is behind their words. And that's what's going on in this passage. They publicly accuse Jesus of being under Satan's power. Ouch. I mean, it doesn't, you, you can't get any more removed from truth and reality than what they're saying right now. And Jesus is about to make a major example of this kind of mistake. It's not even a mistake. It's malicious. It's demonic. It's, it's extreme. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But he goes like this. He says, listen, um, a house divided will not stand. And this is the words of Jesus. House divided will not stand. This is true of a nation. Uh, this is true of a marriage. This is true of a family. This is true of a baseball team or a sports team. This is true of a church. The enemy knows a house divided will not stand. The enemy knows that. And that's why the enemy by nature tries to sow seeds of division. Scripture says, Paul writes about it all the time. The enemy's trying to divide because he divides the conquer. With Adam and Eve, he got Eve alone. Let me get you away from Adam. Let me try working on you so I can split your family so that the whole thing can come falling down. But he didn't want to get them together at the same place in the same time because there's power in a united home, in a united team, in a united nation. Uh, and, and in this case, uh, Jesus says, a house divided will not stand. Um, and we know that the devil does not work against himself and the Holy Spirit does not work against himself. If the Holy Spirit's behind it, he's not gonna divide what he's doing. And if the devil's behind something, he's not gonna divide what he's doing. And that's what Jesus is trying to point out here. And then it goes on in verse 30 and says this, uh, whoever, this is an intense, you might want to underline this if you have your Bible this morning, but this is a pretty powerful statement. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Uh, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Powerful statement. I'm going to unpack this. It's the only time in the Bible we hear about something that's not going to be forgiven. You can go from the front of the book to the back of the book. There's nothing that's spoken about that can't be forgiven except for this exception that Jesus is making here. So it's pretty monumental. Um, he says first, though, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And what's interesting about this, you have friends, family members, neighbors who are not picking sides. They're not picking the side of Jesus. 
but they're not choosing to be against Jesus. There's a whole lot of our culture, friends, family, I'm sure there's a, a lot of you know, well-intended people in the park right next to our service this morning that are, that are not against him, they're not for him, they're just kind of neutral. And Jesus is saying, with me, listen up guys, neutrality is not an option. Being neutral, like, oh yeah, Jesus, you know, okay, whatever, that's cool, you know, everything's good. And Jesus is like, that's not an option. Jesus is saying, you're for me or you're against me. Um, Max Lucado once wrote that if Jesus is somebody that you can just take him or leave him, you might as well leave him because Jesus won't be taken half-heartedly. And he gets it from a scripture like that. Jesus is like, you gotta be for me or against me. What's it gonna be? If you're not gathering with me, then you're not being part of my solution. You're actually scattering. Neutral isn't good. And that, I just want you to know that's, that's the heart of Jesus on this. This is the kind of stuff that woke me up to faith. I remember when I was in a band years ago and I uh, sat in this dark room on a Bible and I pulled it out and I'm like, oh man, it freaked me out. My hair stood up on my arms. I'm like, uh-oh, I think God's trying to get my attention. I was very freaked out because I was not living to honor God or live for his glory. And I opened it up and it was Revelation chapter three uh, around verse 16 where he says, I would rather you be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spew you from my mouth. I closed that Bible, put it down and walked away and tried to, for- tried to forget that I ever read that. But how many of you know God's word doesn't return void? Like that boomerang. How many of you know that day God's boomerang hit me in that room? I was alone and it was God's boomerang that hit me. And it kept going and it kept going, hit me a couple more times. And guess what? It finally didn't return back void. God woke me up along the way because the word is irrevocable. It's a seed that he plants in hearts and wakes people up along the way. And that's just important to know that, that God wants to use his word that way in, in powerful ways. But what's going on in this passage right here, you're for me or against me, and I was a neutral kind of guy. Jesus, I believe you're good. I'm certainly not gonna stop what I'm doing in life and follow you. I gotta do my own stuff. I gotta be about my own business. I got my own plans, and, and I don't wanna give up certain lifestyle, quite frankly, so I'm good with you, and hopefully you're not against me, and we're cool, and we'll just keep it in the middle like that. And Jesus is like, that's not gonna work. <laughs> I love you too much for that. I'm calling you into what I'm doing. I'm calling you into relationship with me. I'm calling you into a future. And then you have to choose, am I gonna try to stay neutral, which isn't really a choice. That's why the Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. You gotta, you gotta make this choice. And so Jesus is saying it right here. And with the Pharisees, they're all acting religious. And Jesus is like, they're either for me or against me. This, this in-between thing isn't gonna work. But he goes on to say uh, what we're referring to as an unpardonable sin. It's the only time it comes up in scripture. It's the only time it comes up. And here's what's interesting, guys. The unpardonable sin, it's not murder. I, you, you would think, wouldn't that be the unpardonable sin? It's not murder. The unpardonable sin is, uh, when, we, when we look at this right here, it's not murder. It's not, it's not stealing. That's, you know, it's not coveting. That's not the unpardonable sin. Listen, the unpardonable sin speaking. The unpardonable sin is speaking. Speaking something incredibly evil, the most evil thing that could ever be spoken out of somebody's mouth. The unpardonable sin is speaking. What kind of speaking? Uh, The Bible talks about Jesus saying every kind of sin and slander. Sin and what? Slander? Slander's out of the mouth, isn't it? Every kind of sin and slander. That's why this whole passage has a heavy focus on the power of words. Jesus is like, every kind of sin and slander, things out of our mouth and bad things we say, can be forgiven. But, but, blasphemy, is blasphemy thought of or spoken? 
spoken. Okay, so slander, spoken, can be forgiven. Blasphemy, spoken, cannot be forgiven. This passage is all central to the power of our words and what we speak. Blasphemy, he's saying, against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Jesus said, you can slander me, personally, Jesus says, and you can be forgiven. You blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. Now, that's a huge statement. This blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I want to look at this just two ways really briefly. The first way is the context. Context is always key. And there's a lot of people that have an explanation. I'm going to read a, a solid explanation in Christianity for what this means, as many have adopted and come to understood what this means. But I also want to be fair to the text and share what it means in the setting that Jesus is saying with the people around him and what just happened that would cause them to make a statement like this. Because I believe this first plausible reason, I think, is, is the fairest response to this. Jesus is casting out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them, if you're seeing demons come out by the power of God, you know the kingdom of God is here. Pretty obviously, the kingdom of God is in front of you, is present. You gotta make a decision. But the point is, the Spirit of God is in Jesus. He's filled with the Spirit. The prophecy of Isaiah is the Spirit's upon him. Jesus, full of the Spirit, is commanding Satan and his minions where to go and when to go. That's power, that's authority. That's the Spirit of God showing up in power and the earth was hungry for this. The Pharisees are blaming that on the devil. The Spirit of God, they're identifying as the devil. Do you see how that cannot get any further apart from truth? There's nothing else that could be said as far as a truth on the planet that, that would be further fr from the truth. Uh, there's, nothing, there's no greater falsehood than blaming the Spirit of God for something that's demonic or something demonic that's the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. This, is, this is important. This is important because this is where some people, I believe, make a big mistake. Uh, there's people in Christianity who, for example, don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's some people in Christianity. They're still Christians. They believe in Jesus. Um, they believe in the power of the cross. They believe in Scripture. But they don't believe in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. And because of it, they get very critical on anything that might be about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they start blaming that on being demonic. I would say, you don't want to go there. That's above your pay grade. Check the Scripture. Have a conviction. Be very, very careful what you say. Amen? Amen? Be very, very careful what you say on this. And some don't. They just fire away and they, they feel exempt from this. That's the context of the passage that Jesus was sharing it. People speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit and blaming it on the devil. That's what's going on in the text right here. And Jesus said, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's behind it and you're saying it's the devil. That's the worst thing that could ever be heard in God's ears. It's like, ouch, you gotta be kidding me. Do you really mean that? Because if that's what you mean, then you know what? Then you kind of made your course. You're choosing a course in life and it's not the course you wanna take. So he's saying that here. Uh, others have said this, and this is what one commentary put. Um, when the testimony, because this is what it says in John 15, 26, that the Holy Spirit's main ministry is to point people to Jesus, to remind them of Jesus' words, to convict them of, the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. Uh, one commentary puts it this way, uh, that when, when the testimony of Jesus is fully and finally rejected, one has truly blasphemed the Holy Spirit, essentially calling him a liar in respect to his testimony about Jesus and the religious leaders were about to do this. I understand that position. I understand that the Holy Spirit's always pointing us to Jesus. And then when we finally reject Jesus, that we're finally rejecting what the Holy Spirit, I, I do get that, that's plausible. I'm not gonna argue that. But I'm just telling you in the context of the scripture, they were blaming the work of the Holy Spirit on the devil. And they were saying the source of it all 
was the devil, not the Holy Spirit, and that's extreme, and that's why Jesus made a statement like that. Moving on in verse 33, this is what he says. Um, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So he says a tree is recognized by its fruit. We all understand that part. If you walk by and it's an orange tree, it's an orange tree an apple tree it's an apple tree but if you walk up and actually taste it you can actually tell if it's a good tree or not a good tree I had this tree at my house it was pomegranates um, but we didn't really water it it was kind of over in the bushes and uh, I I went to go open them up and they looked pretty pretty nasty I don't think you'd want to eat them Uh, so it looked like a pomegranate tree but it didn't taste like a good pomegranate (laughs) but the point is you know a tree by its fruit you know the tree by its fruit and that's something that was understood 2,000 years ago just as well as it is today but what's important about that Jesus said, listen, you are going to be known, known by your fruit. Tell somebody next to you, I'm going to be known by my fruit. Tell them. But here's what he's saying. Specifically, (laughs) yeah, specifically, this focus right here is not on what you do, although people do know us by what we do. The context that Jesus is sharing this is not by what you do. The context Jesus is sharing this is by what you say. By what you say. You will be known, I will be known by what I say. You will be known by what you say. This is interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. Most people think they're going to be known by their accomplishments. Yes, on some level they will. But scripture is saying, you're going to be known by your fruit basically of what you say. And how do we know he's saying that? Because what we say reveals so much about us. Why is it that what we say reveals so much about us? Because Jesus says, what comes out of our lips, where it comes from. And this is what he says. Um, it's a powerful conclusion. First, first one to write down is this. Um, fourth point this morning is people know us by the fruit of our words. People will know you by the fruit of your words. If we say things, they're gonna make conclusions about you, they're gonna make conclusions about me. And I might say, well, that's the wrong conclusion. They shouldn't have made that conclusion about me, but guess what? It's what came out of my own mouth. Does that make sense? It's what came out of my mouth. And I could say, well, that's not really me. I said some things I should have understood, but it came out of my mouth and made a conclusion. You will hear people say things, and you will start to make conclusions too, based on the fruit of people and what comes out of their mouth. But they're also going to make conclusions about you. And you're thinking, well, wait, I don't want people making conclusions. I'm sure you don't. All the more reason we've got to watch the power of our words because Jesus is saying they're going to know you by the fruit specifically in this area right here. People will know us by the fruit of our words. They'll know us by the fruit of our lips. They'll know by what comes out of our mouth. And these are the conclusions that people come to. Um, and the reason it's so important is because in verse 34, in the same context right here, Jesus is saying the mouth speaks from the things that overflow the heart. This is important, guys. This is, where, this is where this thing with our lips takes a shift. It, it takes a little turn right here. What comes out of our mouth is what's overflowing our heart. It's from the outflow of the heart that the mouth speaketh. So if it's bubbling up in the heart, it comes out. And this, that's the power. It's not just 
taming your words. It's not just, oh, wow, I just got to be careful not to say that. You know what you got to say? If you have a problem with words, and I'll just be honest with you, in my years of doing ministry and just trying to help people grow in the Lord, I know some people are a little, everyone's got issues with words. Everybody does. But some, this is a much bigger issue for some. It just happens to be. Others, they tend to sin more with their eyes. Others tend to sin more with their with their mouth, others tend to sin more with that. You know, everyone's got different sin nature, but I just want to encourage you, if, if this is a front and center issue, the words get you in trouble and kind of, you have a lot of regret with words, I would encourage you that um, this passage is saying, really the words, the word problem, it's kind of coming from the heart. And so if Jesus is saying that, and that is true, and I believe it is, what we have to say is not just, I need to learn how to zip it, you heard what we tell our kids is zip it, lock it, put it in the pocket. Tell someone next to you, zip it, lock it, put it in the pocket. <laughs> we tell them that. It works for a little, it works when they're young and then they kind of grow out of the zip. They unzip it and unlock it and take it out of their pocket. But <laughs> the point is this, um, sometimes you learn just how to zip it, but you have to realize even though you're modifying your behavior and you're trying to behave differently, that's just on the outside. The, the reality is it's coming from a place in the heart. And so we have to stop and say, it's not really my lips, Lord, it's this heart of mine. God, would you search me, O Lord? Would you find the evil ways within me, God? Would you purify this heart, Lord? Because I got stuff coming out of this mouth and I don't want it coming out of my mouth, but it does. And, and I don't want to keep repeating this. And it's not just the discipline of closing my mouth. Yes, it is. But it's deeper than that. It's coming from this place in my heart. God, would you restore this heart? Would you put the nature of Jesus in me? Would you cleanse the sin or get out of me the issues I got, the bitterness, whatever is making me say stuff, whether it's bitterness or anger, because anger speaks and bitterness speaks and all kinds of poisonous things come from a bitter and an angry heart. I don't know what the disappointment is, God, but would you deal with this stuff in this heart? Because I don't want to talk that way anymore. And it's not just a matter of me behaving better. It's not just a matter of me modifying my words. It's not just a matter of me of zipping it and putting it in my pocket it's a matter of god this heart has an outflow and i'm not liking the stuff that's coming out and i don't think others are as well god the big issue is what's going on in this heart of mine would you do a work in here and god is wonderful at that he says i will take away a heart of stone and i will give you a heart of flesh this is what he does he's been working on me for years just taking away hardness and giving me and this is what he does there's a great exchange when we start walking with Jesus and, and if we believe in Jesus doctrinally and, and, and theologically we believe in him then when you start walking with him you begin to change and become like him and one of the ways we got to become like him is in our words and that's why this is really important it's from the outflow of the heart that the, the mouth speaks um, it says in Luke 6.45 for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of that's important to know and so we could have sound doctrine and good understanding and still not be doing good with our words. Why is that? Because sound doctrine and good understanding is coming from the mind, but the words are coming from the heart. Does that make sense? The words are coming from the heart. Oh, we studied and I got the doctrine and I got the understanding and I can quote a bunch of stuff. Beautiful. That's absolutely wonderful. And you should hide the word like that. However, did God do a work on this heart or not? Because if he did, good things are going to come out. And if he didn't, good things are not going to come out. And so that's what's really uh, important. Tongue control in your life and in mine, it comes from the heart. Tongue control comes from the heart. And so that's why we always need to keep working on these hearts. Um, here's what's cool. Have you ever seen, um, you know, way back in the day, you might have seen some of these on TV. Not that they were around in our days, but they 
they play these old, old movies on TV. Have you ever seen a silent movie? Has anyone seen a silent movie anywhere? Silent movies are pretty cool. I mean, back in the day, early Hollywood, in fact, this is where this town started, early Charlie Chaplin were some of the first movies that they made here. They were silent movies, and so they had to do funny things and communicate things without words. And so these movies would play, and they're kind of fast motion, and um, you know, there's all this stuff going on. You're watching the silent movie, and you're, you're, you know, you're getting the storyline in the silent movie. Well, I bring that up because I think most of us get the concept of someday, someday when we stand before God on that last day on Judgment Day, we get the idea that maybe there's going to be a movie that's going to play, right? That concept, do you guys get that concept? There's going to be something playback? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay. Um, that, that there's going to be some kind of, you know, accounting for stuff. There's going to be something playing. I want to encourage you, there is going to be a movie playing. But I want to encourage you, it's not a silent movie. The movie that's going to play back, high definition 4K, (laughs) and it's got epic audio to it. It's got audio, surround sound Dolby audio, okay? DTS, all those other cool things. It's got audio. It's not a silent movie. When your story plays back and when my story plays back, it's not going to play back like a silent movie. It's going to play back with audio. Everybody say audio. It's going to play back with audio. Jesus says, Jesus says that our story is going to play back with audio. And I never thought about it until I, I always thought it was a silent thing, standing before God, watching the movie, you know what I mean? Like, you know, accounting for everything we've done. In my mind, it was always silent. I never thought it ever would have audio. I read this passage and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's going to be audio in the playback. High fidelity audio in the playback. On the day of judgment, we know it's going to have audio because Jesus says this. He says, uh, in, in fact, the God's word translation, it says, um, our words will, this says, our words will acquit us or our words will condemn us on that final day. On that final judgment day, he's talking about a date in the future when God reconciles everything. Everyone's going to stand before him. Everyone's going to have to give an account. That says in that day that our words, our words, again, we think about our actions all the time, our words, which we diminish and we go, that's just my attitude, that's my personality, that's my style, whatever, everybody needs to get over it. Jesus is saying, no, our words, our words will condemn us or our words will uh, uh, acquit us. The God's word translation says, by your words, you will be declared innocent or by your words, you will be declared guilty by our words. And Jesus is putting this front and center. So the last point this morning, if you're a note taker, is to write this down. We will be declared innocent or guilty on our words. Part of those words is to believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. Do you realize Bible says the salvation process is to believe in your heart, but say it with your mouth? Say it with your mouth. Is it that important? Why don't I just believe it's secret of living in my heart? Well, you can, but Scripture is saying, say it. If you believe it, say it. Why? Because from the outflow of the heart, the mouth what? The, the mouth speaks. From the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you believe in your heart and confess with your lips. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the fathers and the angels in heaven. There's something about speaking. There's something about the power of our words and we diminish it. We kind of blow it off and go, whatever. That's just, it's just the way I am. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm calling you higher. Your words have so much more power than you know. You can speak blessings or curses. You can speak life. You can speak death. It's your choice, but I want to encourage you, speak life. Speak blessings. Speak life. That's what he's telling us here. The last two scriptures I want to, uh, oh, by the way, it says, uh, he's warning, he warns them in this passage in verse 36. He says, 
uh, will give an account for every empty word, every empty word spoken. We don't use that term in English. We don't hang out at Starbucks and say, hey, bro, you have any empty words today? Yeah, what about you? Yeah, my empty words. We don't do that. We empty, what is an empty word, right? So we're reading it. What is an empty word? And that's an NIV, an understandable translation, an empty word. Um, some say idle words. Some translations say idle words. Well, what it says in the Greek, it's the word argos, and what it means is useless because it is negative. Useless because it is negative. Jesus is saying we were given account for every every empty word empty word i don't have empty words all my words are full of letters right every word that comes out of my mouth that is useless because it is negative that's what jesus is telling and we don't think oh, i could say anything negative i want whenever i want whenever i feel it's not if you're following jesus and you understand the nature of the one you're following not if you understand scripture and realize what he's calling us to account to that's the way we used to roll when we were childish we did childish things but as we grow we put away childish things and one of those things we got to put away is the way we handle our words and our lips and our mouth this is really important guys so many translations say careless words but the context of the careless word is negative because it's useless because it's negative and this doesn't mean oh i just misspoke people can misspoke when they make a mistake when they they mean to say abraham but they say adam oops i misspoke that's misspeaking we misspeak all the time and use the wrong word and the wrong that's not what this is this is something coming from the heart that's coming out that is negative and it is useless and and again some some people are a little more tame at this and tempered and other people just this is what they do. I had a friend of mine, and I love this guy, and he's a great guy, but man, I've just seen that he, this is kind of a way of life, and I, and, I, and I keep trying to encourage that there's so much power in this. And this is, this is somebody who, who, who's been in the faith and, and knows this book pretty good here, but this tongue, I don't know what, the tongue, the mouth, I, what does it take to get it under control? What does it take to line it up with God. What, is, what does it take? Or do we just say, that's just the way I am. That's just my style. That's my personality. And I would encourage you that if we're Christ followers, we've got to line up with Jesus a little better. The last scripture I want to share is this, and this would be great if the worship team comes up, is uh, James 3.10, or two scriptures. Ephesians 4.29. Check this one out. Memorize this one. Memorize this one. Uh, that's your homework for the week. There will not be a test, but it will be powerful for you. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up uh, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That is so powerful. Unwholesome talk is the idle, empty words. The stuff that we say that's negative and tears people down, it has an effect on them. It has a lingering effect on them. When you tell people negative, bad things, they start to believe the lie. The enemy's the accuser. We're not supposed to be the accuser. So don't let any unwholesome talk about it, but let words come out that encourage and build up. Let edifying words come out of your mouth. Be a life giver with your words. If Jesus were here today, he wouldn't be going around the room condemning everyone. He'd be giving you life saying, listen, turn from that and live in liberty and live for the glory of God and live in the things God called you to do and live in the hope and live in faith and live in love because God got greater things and the more you walk with him, the more you get in on him. So he would be encouraging us. He would be fanning us into flame. And the Bible says that we're supposed to encourage one another to love and good deeds. And yet some are like, yeah, well, what about that, huh? You know, and, and this is just the way, and no, 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 and this is, 
really? Aren't we the family of believers? Aren't we the Christ followers? Aren't we the ones who are supposed to be replicating the one we follow, including the way he, the way he talks? We've got to watch the outflow of these hearts. James 3.10, and if you, again, if, if this is an area for you, where you know this is front and center and this is kind of a bullseye target, I really want to encourage you, read James uh, chapter 3, James chapter 3, this is your homework, James chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. This gets into this in a big, big, big way. It says the tongue can start an entire fire and burn down thousands of, the tongue can do this. It can start a blaze that gets out of control. It can speak poisonous things can come out of this tongue. And out of the same mouth, we can be praising on a Sunday. Lord, we love you. Look at that guy. That's cr- Look at what he's wearing. Oh, man, that guy doesn't. That guy's dumb. Look at his that guy. You see that guy in church? Oh, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, you are good. You are holy. Did you see that girl at church today? What was she thinking? Out of the same mouth can come blessings and curses. Out of the same mouth. That's what James talks about. And he said it's like, a water source. You're not going to get fresh water and salt water from the same place. It's either fresh or it's salt. And he's saying, we've got to determine which one we're going to be. Are we going to be fresh water or salt water? What's flowing out of our heart? So we need to check ourselves. And so the last thing I just want to encourage you guys to do and, and myself to do, this is what this passage to the conclusion is. The power of life and death are in your tongue. You can speak blessings or curses. You can speak life or death. The Bible says to encourage one another as long as it is called today. As long as it's today, encourage one another. There are people like Barnabas in the Bible who found a guy like Saul who became Paul. And Paul was in a town making tents, not planting churches. We don't know anything in history. When Paul came, got, came to faith, he went to Jerusalem. He started to stir it up and they're like, Paul, you're a little overly zealous for this crew. You're going to get yourself killed. Here's your bus fare, boat fare. Go back to Tarsus where you're from. Just lay low. We'll check on you later. Nobody checked on him. He's living out in Tarsus probably for years. Barnabas comes along, son of encouragement. He's thinking, I wonder where that guy is. I know what they think about him, but I know God's got a calling on him. And I know God's got a hope and a future for him. And I don't think he knows it himself. So I'm going to go find him. And scripture says in Acts, he went to go find Paul. That means no one's got an address on this guy. We just know what town he's in, stitching tents for a living. Instead of winning cities to Christ, he's over there stitching tents. He's like, I got to find this dude. And he goes from tent maker to tent maker to find Paul in the back, you know, poking his fingers. Oops, you know. Um, Paul, what are you doing? Making tents. They kicked me out of Jerusalem. Oh, brother, you got such a higher call on your life. Do you have any idea what God wants to do with you? Come with me. Come with me. I know God's got great things. I see it in you. God sees it in you. Come and walk with me, Paul. And he walks him on over to Antioch. And the rest is history. And and, and we got half the New Testament written by Paul because he got encouraged into his calling. Uh, The power of life and death are in the tongue. You can speak blessings and curses. You can speak life and death. I want to encourage you to be an encourager today. If you go pick up your children today, say, thank you so much for blessing the children today. Thank you so much for what you do. If you go to a restaurant today, I know you're probably gonna leave a tip, you should. Christians should tip better than everybody else does, I'm just telling you. Don't just give them a Jesus loves you card, that's like party foul. Um, but, but when you go in there, say thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day today. Speak life. If you have kids, 
Take a knee, look him in the eye. When's the last time you dropped a knee and just got eye level and said, you know what? God has great things in store for you. God made you for great things. I see it, God sees it. My prayer is that you see it too. Do these kind of things. There's people that will grow to great lengths in life and great altitudes because you speak life into them. And I just want to encourage you, your power of your words has so much greater magnitude than you know, and so do mine. So let's ask God to redeem this. We're going to close in prayer and finish in worship this morning. Mighty God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it, Lord. There is so much power in your word, and there is so much even power in our words, God. I just pray that you would show us and you would lead us in a way uh, that we would be mindful of our words. And if we got habit problems with our word and self-control with our word, I pray you would do work in these hearts of ours, God. Your word says that it's from the outflow of the heart that our mouth speaks. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do, we'd keep coming back to you. Every Sunday, we'd say, God, do another level of work in this heart of mine. We haven't arrived. We don't claim to have this thing down. Uh, God, we're still works in progress. But get these hearts to be the kind of hearts that can represent you well, not just in action and in deed, but in our words, God, that we would speak for your glory. We would speak on your behalf. We would encourage others. We would fan each other into flame. We would speak life. We would speak liberty. We would speak love. We would speak and encourage faith, God, because that's what you made us to do. So, Lord, let us live that way. Let us honor you, and we thank you for that by faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen, amen, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.